everybody once again to another episode of mike mike and oscar i am your co-host mike one co-host also mike in a moment as we bring you one last oscar race checkpoint kind of a roundup here of all things golden globes and otherwise as we head into golden globes weekend which is i guess at the end of february because this is the new reality we live in now michael we are very very proud of the last episode we did it was nearly two hours mike and we covered all the gambling lines we went back into recent history we did tv and movies we just had a blast some of our are you know one of the most fun recordings we ever had i was gonna say some of our best work but i'm not entirely sure <laughs> some of our work for sure some yeah. of our work i don't know if you can ever say some of our best work when we're costing our listeners money or, or gaining you, them a lot of money i like i have no confidence i have no confidence in any of this but we are going to analyze these lines again and i was really heartened right before i hit record today a lot of my picks are ann thompson's picks mike so oh, ann thompson is with me what does that mean? We'll see. Is she right? Is she wrong? I really never tracked the Golden Globes like this before to this degree. I feel like it's so fruitless because this is the this is and, and I'm I'm being dead serious. This is the one show where the long shots always end up winning because nobody knows what the hell is actually being going on right because now. what we're also gonna do today mike is we are going to comment yeah. on the huge corruption scandal <laughs> involving the hollywood ford press and the golden globe ceremony so yeah the fix could be in folks and <laughs> we might not know shit all about anything so yeah we're gonna do that we'll finish up with production design and the art directors guild award nominations that came out today and then we were gonna do a nomadland revisit but we both kind of feel the same that we've always felt about Nomadland. We did put an episode out in September that you guys can listen to. That still holds up. It's still a front yeah. runner and a favorite in a lot of categories that we talked about. Yeah, and as far as being a favorite in a lot of categories, that's kind of where we're going to start off here. Is like you mentioned, we're going to update some of the gambling lines from our last episode. There has been movement in a lot of the different books and a couple major categories, so we're going to talk about those at the top here before we go into the scandal that the HFPA finds themselves in. And along the way here, Mike and I might have a pick or two that we are going to change mm-hmm. of our official picks from the last episode, the Golden Globes Gambling Preview and Prediction Show. So let's talk about uh, the updates for this Sunday show. Okay. Trial of the Chicago 7 and Nomadland right now are virtually in a tie for Best Picture Drama after Nomadland was the favorite earlier in the week and certainly when we did record. Mm-hmm. The Long Shots, the three other pictures in the category, Promising Young Woman has actually shortened its odds a bit. It's It was in fourth place solidly. Now it is solidly in third place on the books. Its odds are anywhere from 7 to 1 to 12 to 1. We had it at plus 850, which would have been 8.5 to 1 uh, or 17 to 2. Now it's down to 7 to 1 in some places, whereas Mank has drifted a bit. It's down to 12 to 1 solidly uh, right now with the fourth best odds in the category. The Father remains the longest shot all the way back at 25 to 1, all the way to 33 to 1. You can find it in some places, Michael. So so Ann Thompson picked Chicago 7. That was your pick, right? Yes, that was my pick. You picked, uh, so you're with Ann on that one. Gold Derby, I think, is there as well. Nomadland, 
you know, by all accounts, it has been the Critics' Choice up mm-hmm. till now, and we'll have the Critics' Choice Awards next weekend, March seventh, to react to. But I don't necessarily know what to do with this category. I was tempted to change my Promising Young Woman upset pick, but then I kind of, you know, something was in my head. It was just like, what if I hit? What if I hit Mike? <laughs> it was in my head. I've heard that before. I, somebody I've heard talked that me logic into it somewhere before. Myself. Yeah, I mean, it was just there. So I'm not going to change this particular pick. I'm going to hedge a little later on. But look, I mean, when we track the Oscars, the last uh, few Oscar Sundays, Mike, uh, we have checked in on the odds the day of, and we mm-hmm. did see some late movement for the eventual winners, Parasite, some late movement for Green Book. I think the odds went towards them or whatever. They they Yeah, they, they, seemed, they definitely improved. They shortened their, their odds there, yeah. They seemed to they look like better. they were going to win. This looks now mm-hmm. like Chicago 7 is going to win, Mike? Uh, well, at least the money is, is dictating that they think the Chicago seven is going to be, it should be the favorite or should be most likely to win over Nomadland right now. Did Joey Ernst or Billy Young tell somebody (laughs) in Vegas, did they tell Joey the foot or Jimmy, the, 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 the toupee or somebody out there, Raphael, the Esparza, did they tell one of these guys and now, you know, things are moving. I got an inside track on some Finnish highlight that will really build your bank account for you. I, I think it makes sense. Look, we Nomadland and Chicago 7 are the two movies yeah. since the fall. We've said these are the front runners. This seems like an Oscar movie. This seems like a best picture. Blah, blah, blah. So now that we're at the first major precursor award show, this makes all the sense in the world to me. Ugh. Promising Young Woman over Mank, I think, is the more surprising story right now. Well, I'm I'm glad for it, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stand pat, even though I'm probably dumb. I'm probably the Austin Powers. Oh, I also like to live dangerously move right now <laughs> and I'll stay. But look it, I think uh I think Chicago seven, every rewatch I do of it, I was texting you last Infuriating. night just Infuriating. spitting venom. Like yeah. that was cancer via the Ethernet or whatever I was whatever texting is, phone lines, <laughs> I was sending you just cancerous texts. I was so mad at that movie just for Bechdel test reasons, for so many reasons that Chicago Seven should not be the movie of the year. I'm yep. not gonna get into it now. I would much prefer Nomad Land. So if the boring thing happens and Nomad Land still wins, I'm gonna be happier. I'm still rooting for the underdogs. What what are you rooting for to happen? Because I know you don't necessarily have a rooting interest in the drama category. Do you have No I, I I mean I my favorite thing would be Mank if not Mank okay. then Promising Young Woman I mean okay. either one of those I'd be very happy with I just man Nomadland seems so unique to be especially at the Golden Globes to win <laughs> and with the Golden Globes the HFPA has their issues uh, I don't think any of them about. are becoming nomads though with all the payouts they're getting so. that's kind of what I mean right it's a niche <laughs> it's a very it's a I don't know they'll you know, be the RV watch at the best yeah, RV folk they'll be RV folk they'll, they won't be they'll, band they'll folk. write in the Robin Williams movie RV from years ago to win <laughs> best picture go. that would be proper all right let's go on Borat 2 has drifted in the best picture comedy or musical category it's drifted from being the even money favorite to around plus 150 you could find a little value in Borat right now with Hamilton actually taking it over and being closer to the even money bet now depending on where you look William Hill which is one of the more famous and prominent books in america has the prom in third place at four to one now the prom routinely has been in third place but four to one is far and away the shortest odds for the prom it's been more likely 10 to one and i've seen it out there at 33 to one as a matter of fact in really? different books because i thought we had it at plus 350 
Yeah, three fifty. I mean, that's probably where it was, and probably where it was in William Hill. But that's close, certainly. Right. But that's I, close you enough. No, I, I. It's been depending on what book you look at, and it's the uh, the American books seem to favor the prom at a lower number, like three to three and a half, seven to two, or four to one, something like that. The international books, the offshore books, are more ten to one. And I saw one that was all the way at thirty three to one. Ryan Murphy's got that nine figure deal. He's put out a lot of quality stuff for Netflix already. Obviously, he's had a great career. He's getting a lot of tribute awards. Uh, this uh, award season, and he's all over this particular award show with Hollywood mm-hmm. and, and other stuff and the prom being involved. So I definitely think that Ryan Murphy and the HFPA get along. Now, I'm mush. Again, you know, put me in the freaking bathroom right now. I'm quoting a movie <laughs> I don't even like, but, you know, Hamilton was my rooting interest, but both of us, I think we both picked Borat too because Palm yep. Springs was too much of a long shot to really tempt us. Yeah. And the prom is not a good enough movie to really tempt us. And we don't think the HFPA is going to take Hamilton seriously. Is this, is this the public moving these lines because the public watches Hamilton, watches the prom, watches Borat two on streaming. They all have seen all of these. If they really want to, if they're probably betting in this category, they have seen everything here or at least the important stuff. And to them, the public is saying Hamilton's just the, the best of this bunch, or do you think the, there's again the fix is in? Tell me the, what's going on behind the scenes. <laughs> that's what I want to know. <laughs> the line movement uh, usually suggests that it's the public money that's influencing it or the sharp money. If you talk to any lines maker or bookmaker out there, they're mm-hmm. always going to say we don't try to guess what happens. At least in sports lines, sports betting, we don't try to guess what happens. We're just trying to make a line that entices people to vote and or bet on both sides. Um, but with movement, movement is usually a response to how much money is coming in on a particular line. Well, here's the thing. I really like what you just said that they said, mm-hmm. which <laughs> makes me want to you know, bet more and give them my money. So now I'm taking a step back and now I'm a little skeptical. You want to be a market maker, Michael. <laughs> I do want to move markets. So that's the other thing. Did they listen to us? And did they hear that uh, we were like, Hamilton should win. This is ridiculous. How is Hamilton not the going away favorite here? So I would you know, feel a boost to my ego if they went with Hamilton. But what you said was also very interesting about the HFPA not being the most liberal-leaning organization there is. The most liberal films, especially in the comedy uh, category and the comedy side of things, but certain both best pictures, Vice, Get Out, 20th Century Women, you go back to Borat 1, mm-hmm. they did not win this award. They did not win a best picture award. So if you look at those choices, a lot of them are kind of centrist. They're not really super far left on the choices. And it, I mean, just on the, the basic math of the night, if Borat wins, you're talking about Borat coming out of this smelling like, you know, one of the stronger films on the entire Golden Globes voting block. So honestly. Which neither of us are cool with. By the right. Way. Like, what the hell is going on there? Like, if we come out of uh, Sunday night with Borat having three wins, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously we picked that, but we or I picked that and, and you wanted to pick that. But you're like, I can't pick that. Yeah, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. Right. So you you went weird and and supporting actress you did Rosamund Pike uh, oh not weird actress, lead actress comedy, comedy, yeah. comedy musical yeah which nice. I'll, also is an I guess we can parlay and just segue right into that parlay little gambling lingo for you there uh, <laughs> we'll talk about Maria Bakalova next her line has been moving all over the place depending on what book you look at I've seen two different books having her line drifting meaning she's getting worse odds or becoming more of a long shot I've seen two other books have her line shorting making her an even more of a favorite in the category than she was when we first recorded. And interestingly enough, the one who seems to be benefiting most from any kind of line, line movement with Maria Bakalova's betting odds 
is not Michelle Pfeiffer, but it's third place Anya Taylor-Joy, who I've seen her odds be shortened up to around 6-1 to one or 8-1. to one. So did, like, my mom discover online betting or something? <laughs> what the hell happened here? Like the, So my theory before about the public making bets, like Anya Taylor-Joy, I would guess the betting public has seen the Queen's Gambit. It almost mm-hmm. sounds like Gamble. Okay, Gambit. <laughs> anyway, all right. The Queen's Gambit, which I love, by the way. But I don't think all these dudes <laughs> who are gambling on this shit love Emma. And maybe they're foo-foo men like me. And maybe all the foo-foo men came out and just dropped money on Emma. Well, but... Emma's, Emma's a period piece about an international... Uh... Isn't it a European-based movie? Yeah, it's British. It's Jane right. Austen. I loved it. It's great. I'm glad. And I it could it be, be the be last contender. movie a lot of... It could be the last movie a lot of people saw in theaters. It's possible. I, I want Raphael Esparza with his beautiful voice, but his Vegas-style <laughs> delivery. I want him to talk five minutes on Emma and Jane Austen winning people money. That's what I want. But I think uh, I think it's interesting that Anya Taylor-Joy is a beneficiary in this category. I'm surprised here, yeah. it's not Michelle Pfeiffer. I mean, I'm not surprised because nobody, well, her, her Pfeiffer's saw. odds have stayed static. She's second place solidly. She's around five to one. Just not a lot of movement on her line. I, I just, you know, I think like you do. I just don't think enough people saw that movie. Well, is this a referendum on Maria Bakalova instead? That's what I'm wondering. It could here. be a referendum on Borat being a three-time Golden Globe winner, Mike. I think everybody's <laughs> thinking the same thing so if this is public money truly moving the market and it's not people understanding what's actually happening if it's not what you said before and these uh, lines makers are being truthful then that this actually makes sense and this is where it makes sense what does not make sense michael is how in god's name did they nominate music for best picture comedy or musical instead of emma when the lines are moving like this 40 to 1 music right now you can get it at 40 to 1 if you want to bet for on that for Best Picture, Comedy, or Musical. That's fine. All fine and dandy. <laughs> Don't bet on it. Michael, you got to go back one to Animated Feature yes. for a second. We'll talk about Animated Feature. Wolf Walkers, that's drifted a bit. It was plus 400 when we recorded our last episode. It's gone... As of this morning, it went to about plus 700. As of this afternoon, I've seen movement where it moved back into the 4 or 500 or 4 or 5 to 1 range. Uh, Soul is remaining solidly in the favorite. I've seen it at minus 500. I've seen it at minus 350. I've seen it at minus 600. It's solidly in the lead in this category. So Soul is in, in a strong position, and I'm cautiously mm-hmm. optimistic. That's some good news. Yep. So we can end up this section with uh, something that actually forced me to change this in combination with uh, what is going on in the uh, the HFPA and their scandal all told. <laughs> so Daniel Kaluuya, mm-hmm. despite a prediction you're going to hear from me probably in this segment, uh, he seems to be shortening his line and becoming more of a favorite in the supporting actor category. Leslie Odom Jr. is drifting from what we had him at plus 260. He's well above 3-1 to one in most books that I saw this afternoon mm. right before hitting record. But there is another nom in this category whose odds seem to be shortening and improving quite a bit. Mike, would you care to guess who it is? I'm hoping it's Bill Murray here. Well, Mike, it's the little things that just eat you up inside. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> I swear to God, Jared Leto, I've seen him go from like 20 to 1 to 15 to 1, 14 to 1, one I even think had him at 12 to 1. He's he's quite a bit of an underdog still, Mm -hmm. but his odds have improved the most from that category. I am fascinated by this. I know we both... Enjoyed that Jared Leto performance. We did legitimately enjoy it. like the movie. In in the little things. It's it's, it's not a great film, but it kind of gives you the fix for the... 
you know, the uh, the serial killer on the hunt. It's exactly what you think it is. Yeah, it's not a great one of those, right. but it's a fine one of those. Right. And I enjoyed Jared Leto and all his affectations. And I guess the makeup and hairstyling is a little different than Jared Leto face. Okay, Daniel Kaluuya was... Even Moneyer was a slight favorite back in our app. I think he was I even think he was a slight. Uh, well, I thought he was a slight favorite, but either way, yeah, he was close to to one to one. Now he's a favorite, and mm-hmm. now you're about to make a change in this category, yeah. going away against the line movement. You're, yeah. you're counterintuitive in in this regard. So this makes me fear, Michael. It makes me fear because I'm gonna make I'm gonna change one of my picks to go with the line movement. But is this like the savvy gambler move that you're doing? What what's happening here? It's the savvy. I'm thinking the HFPA is more corrupt than <laughs> they're letting on. I, I'm going to give Trial of the Chicago Seven a second win. I only predicted them to win Best Picture Comedy or Best Picture Drama. Excuse me. I'm going to give Sasha Baron Cohen my supporting actor uh, category. I was going to give Baron Cohen my pick until we hit record. I changed it at the last second. I, I, I can see there being this apology. You know, we really want to treat Sasha. We all love Sasha Baron Cohen, but we can't give Borat three wins. So here, we'll let Sasha Baron Cohen be a two-time winner on the night. He'll make the history being the first actor, the first man ever to win two Golden Globes for performances in films on the same award show. And we could still not give Borat all three wins and everyone goes home happy. I will laugh in your face if that logic works towards Emma (laughs) and Anya Taylor-Joy instead of this. But no, I understand this logic. This is good sound logic they are old they're white they like sasha baron cohen with the big uh hair in that movie i think they're wrong i think daniel kaluuya is the best supporting actor performance i agree with you i think especially in this particular award show even if sasha baron cohen wound up winning the oscar at the end of the day it makes sense to go with kaluuya here because sasha i mean a puzzle theory golden globe puzzle theory you can go with uh baron cohen elsewhere in that comedy or musical category lead actor category and, and still go with kaluuya here I, I, you know, I'm a little upset by this. I get while you're making it, while you're making the change. And, and now I understand, now I truly understand it because you're going towards Chicago seven, which is what I'm going to do for my one change as well. I'm going to change my best screenplay pick. That was mm. promising young woman. I'm going to change that back to the trial of the Chicago seven and Aaron Sorkin for the same reason that you mm-hmm. kind of made your, your movement too, because I, I'm like, I had that going into the recording. I mentioned, I literally picked it, and then I changed it like two minutes later. I'm going to go back, and I'm going to hedge a little bit with my crazy-ass promising young woman underdog pick and best picture. I'm going to hedge back with uh, Trial of Chicago 7. I, it's tough to – so you have Trial of Chicago 7 now winning how many on the night? I have it winning screenplay and screenplay. You have it just winning one? Just winning screenplay, It's yeah. tough to see – and I could say the same about Mank, too, which I only have winning one on night. But it's tough to see the Golden Globes ending without Trial of Chicago 7 having at least one win, right? Yeah, I, I would I would expect it to win more. I just, I'm kind of belligerently against it. I share your sentiments, sir. And it's, it's affecting... I'm just so used to these award shows offending me and picking movies I have utter disdain for at this point after doing this show for this long. No, I'm going to pay. I'm going to pay a price to, for this <laughs> level of belligerence, and that's fine. 
All right. So uh, from talking about how upset we are with the movies that will likely win in the HFPA Sunday, let's talk about how upset we are with the organization of the HFPA in general, because there was an interesting L.A. Times article that broke before the day of our last recording, I believe. We kind of touched on it, but we didn't get into it. And now we will, Michael. Yeah, this article is called The HFPA Faces New Scrutiny Ahead of Golden Globes 2021. This is in the LA Times, and I can no longer click on this anywhere and find the authors to this article, so I apologize that I couldn't cite them. But Mm -hmm. uh, The Hollywood Reporter, Scott Feinberg, and Kimberly Nordyke, they wrote this cool little summary commentary thing that I loved on THR that helped me understand the entire article uh, on the LA Times. And, I, and we've read both. We, we not going to pretend to be experts on this, but I do think we need to sink our teeth into kind of both of these and, and definitely into to some of the accusations going on here. But LA Times reveals H, HFPA has zero black members, comma, raises new question questions about ethics of Golden Globe voters. That is the Feinberg and Nordyke piece. And that's the first highlight from this piece is that there are zero black journalists among the 87 members of the Hollywood Foreign Press Association, according to the L.A. Times article and the organization itself. So they have people of color in the organization, Mm -hmm. but no black members. And to me, that is just the clearest sign of institutional racism that I've ever seen. I mean, what what do we look? I I have this. We're supposed to get into this later. We can just say it now. When Oscar's so white is quote unquote celebrating its fourth anniversary with that ridiculousness and where every acting category had white nominees on it. And the, the Academy's diversity initiative is now five years old to be at this point in 2021. Even if you are the, the foreign press association, that's inexcusable. Yes, you have other minority members and that's great, but to not have any black members in your voting body, how are you a voting body? How do you have a major award show? I, I'm just flabbergasted by it. I mean, this is uh, this is a piece of journalism that I, I do appreciate, and I do appreciate shining a light on this, even though it's kind of it's it's really it's not an easy position to be in for the LA Times. I mean, they're they're covering these organizations. They're they're they they love movies like we do, and they're they're kind of it's it's just it's got to be the most infuriating thing to realize that this group of ninety mostly white people are setting the trends of an award season like this. And we've, we've had these arguments year after year about how important the golden globes are. And we do the stats out every year and I'm sure Mm -hmm. we'll do the stats out. I mean, we've done them before. We'll do them again. The stats matter. This, there is a crossover there. The numbers matter. The golden globes matter. They do set a trend. They do give permission to the rest of the industry every single year for you to vote for their winners. We saw it with Bo Rap was probably the clearest example. That mm-hmm. was the nod. That was the permission for the Academy to nominate Bo Rap across the board. And look, that was a relatively innocent example of what we're dealing with for some rather not so innocent picks this time around. I think they really stepped in it this time around. But here, here we have a, a total lack of diversity that is just clear and and institutional racism no doubt about it it needs to be fixed immediately and they're getting you know untold amount the the, the article in the thr sites that it's probably millions of dollars i think was the the 
the throwaway line they use, but so much money from networks, NBC, from sponsors, and all this, and it's going to an organization that just doesn't employ black people? No never mind. Never mind the other people that they... This all, a lot of this stems from a lawsuit filed by a journalist who was accusing the HFPA of kind of holding themselves in secret to kind of keep them their current members more important in terms of access and voting and all these things uh, versus allowing anyone who's qualified into their guild or into their membership, into their association. I, I, I think that would be stunning. I think NBC or somebody needs to come out and one of their major sponsors should come out and speak against this or at least speak on this. Well, that's where we're at right now. We don't have oversight for the for these boards. These boards are supposed to... They're supposed to be honorable in themselves because they're quote-unquote non-for-profits, right? I mean, AMPAs and HFPA, and I don't necessarily want to group them together for this example or BAFTA or whatever, but they they really have to monitor themselves. They have to be the checks and balances on themselves because they don't have an oversight committee. They don't have the you know the transparency that they, they should have, really. And we've, we've joked about show us the votes, show us the votes. That's really not what has to be transparent at the end of the day, what should be transparent at the end of the day is here's our memberships. And yeah, but there's still right. There's still a board of directors attached to these. Like there should be, you shouldn't need independent oversight to do the right thing and to be more inclusive in 2021 for love of God, especially in an industry like the entertainment industry. No, you shouldn't. There's a lot at stake. And we understand, like, we're not naive about the machine that this is. This is the industry giving itself awards. They're giving right. themselves awards. This is not necessarily the financial crisis where the investment banks are also underwriting. No, it's not that corrupt, but it is the industry, give, you know, basically tasking either critics or curators. And not all these members of the HFPA are critics. That was something I kind of learned. That was a, you know, a bit of an epiphany. I thought this was mostly the press association here. This was mostly critics, but it really not the case. Anyway, this is the industry giving themselves awards that generates buzz and that turns into an industry within itself. Like the awards business in the movie and in Hollywood is huge money. It's real money at stake. So it makes sense that these studios are trying to win awards every year. We see the results and we cover the business side and the industry side of things too, Mike. We see the results of the Oscars boost, of the award season boost on the bottom dollar. Green Book does not make what it makes unless the award season is factored in. Neither does Parasite. So this is, this is real money at stake. And the fact that we kick off award season with a group like this, and I guess this is the segue into the dollars and cents here of this article, of this LA Times report, uh, if they are compromised like this and so easily bought, <laughs> corrupt, if they're so easily bought, Mike, yeah. they're kicking off this whole vetting process for the Oscars and later awards show, and we saw the crossover. So this is a this is a bad sign. We understand schmoozing's been in effect, but the fact that we have all of this all of these other payouts. Now this is, this is getting concerning because we, for the first time really ever, we can see their books 
to this right, day. And that's, I mean, that's the the whole what's been going on in the political world, too. It's one thing in the, the stock market, what just happened with GameStop is another example of it. It's one thing to assume, you know, these back de- backroom deals and these machinations are in place where they're keeping the little guy down or keeping the, the, the oppressed more oppressed. But it's another thing to have it actually revealed and being black and white and in plain language. But speaking of the dollars and cents of this, the amazingly, uh, the main part of this didn't seem to be that the there was a lack of, of any black representation within the HFPA. Uh, the main part of this is, quote, the HFPA is not only allowing its members to receive lavish perks from the studios and networks whose projects they later write about and vote on, but the organization, which is ostensibly a nonprofit, is also paying its own members, many of whom are struggling journalists, substantial amounts of money to serve as officers and on various committees, which is unusual according to the tax professional the LA Times spoke to. Uh, the word ostensibly a nonprofit is ostensibly there is doing a lot of heavy lifting i don't know if the hfpa is a 501c3 organization is literally a non-profit or not even if they are though mm-hmm. i don't i, I want to be clear i don't think the headline is that the a non-profit is paying sums of money and or bonuses to its members because that happens in virtually every non-profit in america and that was actually that was actually a takeaway for me where I'm actually going to side with the HFPA. I don't have any issues. I mean, obviously, we got to know what they're doing. If they're just riding coattails or if this is just, you know, parach- golden parachute, whatever. I mean, mm-hmm. if it's corrupt, it's corrupt. But it, I don't have a problem with $60,000, $130,000 salaries for the people that run the HFPA. I like I don't if, think if that's... they're salaries. If they are salaries right. and not just payouts for well, right. Well, right. even if they are but whatever, whatever they have to be categorized at, if you pay people to run that organization, if they pay themselves to run that organization, it could be boxing other people out and it could be a, a boys club nightmare. You know, there there's that factor to it. But just the just the dollars and cents in this regard, I'm actually not against because, like you said, nonprofits pay exorbitant sums. I mean, what does a college administrator, what does a college right. president make? What is what do they? I mean, what do they make at the YMCA? I mean, the YMCA right. pays. I mean, any nonprofit's going to pay. A lot of people out there listening probably now they work for nonprofits. There's nothing wrong with a non-for-profit paying you a salary to run something. And and this Michael, this particular something, the HFPA and the Golden Globes makes a conglomerate, makes the industry tens of millions of dollars once a year at least i mean think about what the golden globes makes what what they make for the industry it's 27 million last year i saw that uh, figure in one of these two articles and the oscars do better ratings for abc so what do the oscars make what does ampas make for i mean it's it's a huge sum of money right never mind the whole apparatus that makes hundreds of millions i would argue for for the overall so the fact that you're going to pay the people that run that organization some money i don't think i don't think there's anything wrong with that obviously there's something wrong with the fact that a paid vacation or a visit to a set turns in turning into what looks like a paid vacation and all the schmoozing and all the yachts and you know i made something up about gondolas last time but that's probably (laughs) not really it I, i was just trying to be creative but there's all the parties with the rock stars and the actors and look i mean the schmoozing is going on what what's above boards what's not right where does it cross the line we all can make our judgments on that and 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 that is again this is throughout the articles and i think I think we do have to hold the studios and the conglomerates and the and the powers that be 
that we have to hold them accountable as well because there there could be bribees, but there's also bribers in this situation. And maybe that's not to that extent. I don't necessarily mean to accuse you know these these studios, but if they're, they're schmoozers and schmoozies, let's put it that way, right? So and and as part of those schmoozies, I mean, you're t- talking about something straight out of the article and one of the allegations uh, and and facts that were brought to light within whether the L.A. Times article or Scott Feinberg and Kimberly Nordyke's article for the THR uh, was that Paramount provided a fourteen hundred dollar a night Paris hotel mm-hmm. suite for some of the HFPA members to come on location to Paris to watch a taping of Emily in Paris, which just happened to take place at this luxurious museum that has all these old uh, amusement park rides. And Emily in Paris finds itself nominated in the Golden Globes this year amongst scrutiny from a bunch of critics. Now, does every single studio do this for the HFPA for every single fringe contender that they have? Maybe Maybe it's not in every one. To, maybe it's not an exact, but it probably happens from everybody. You know, I mean, it's been a joke. Show. I mean, you know, we we've joked about it here, not having any cold hard facts. It's it's been assumed that the HFPA is not exactly the most above board and above reproach body. I mean, you know, we make the jokes about Brian May for a reason. That are there was a story that came out about the HFPA members partying on a boat with members of Queen before the, you know, these things have happened. They are well known. So is this some like cabal, sad little cabal like the big picture put it today, sad little racist cabal just, you know, taking all the and, and hoarding all these you know, payouts and perks and, and, and all the access to celebrities, or is this kind of, uh, and it's not necessarily a quid pro quo. Is this kind of the way business is done at this level where they have this awards body? They are the curators of the beginning of award season. And maybe it's not all nefarious. Maybe it's Mm -hmm. not all, you know, something terrible. Maybe it's not to this extent. Maybe this was, you know, slightly bending the line or pushing the line of extravagant Paris, you know, vacation, but maybe to give them access to, to what they need, you know, to, to, to vote on these awards, you know, maybe it's not the worst thing in the world. I, I, it's, it's really, it's, it's, it's a, it's a bit of a quagmire, I would say. And it doesn't look good at the, at the end of it, at the end of this article, but I would, I would still, I still think there's culpability on both sides and there needs to be oversight from somebody to keep people in line so that they're not they're not crossing these lines. The only yeah, I mean that's I I land there too. The only, I don't think you're wrong in asking for accountability on the studio side too, but to me it's kind of like being the agent for uh, an being an NFL player's agent. If if you're not going to have guidelines at the NCAA level, yeah, so at, the N- at the NFL right. level. Yeah. If you're not going to have rules to abide by, like, why wouldn't studios try to schmooze people of the voting bodies? No like, the HFPA doesn't it. have rules against it. Exactly. So, so no it's not hard to put it, rules against it. Then the campaigning could take these lengths. Right. And it's, 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 it's harder to do. It's much harder to do at the academy level. And that's why what was written in that LA Times article was kind of bone chilling at times where they were like, the industry could do away with this. Again, this is in the LA Times article. The industry could do away with this if they really, really wanted to, but they don't because they 
they feel like it's more manageable to campaign to 90 people in the HFPA to, to do this all-important start of an award season to make sure it goes their way. I mean, it, again, it you can get really cynical about this, and I, I think sometimes we – we, we joke very heartily and we laugh very loudly. <laughs> and, you know, especially when we're wrong in a prediction about a certain best picture category. But look, uh-huh. Mike, I think, I do think there's, where there's smoke, there's fire here. And I'm, I'm just, I'm saddened by the fact that they're, on the one hand, they're selling out very low. <laughs> <laughs> right i mean a couple of vacations a couple of interviews a gondola you, you have know, no idea very... how low the bar is that i can be bought for though Michael, i can be so bought for less as well i mean they could sell you know i'm just kidding. like if they're looking for members not right exactly no <laughs> look i i think you're exactly right in that there there needs to be oversight at some level but the oversight for me should don't you want to be viewed as legitimate if you're the well, HFPA, they, like, shouldn't that start from within? They have been, they have been to a greater extent, I would say, until the last, like, even the last, I would say, but the last thirty years, there's been, there's been rumblings, the Pia Sedora story, and then mm-hmm. the, you know, obviously we had, we've had increasing, you know, levels of journalism applied to this group, and we've had a few watchdogs really going after them, and that's the, like, you know, this is in microcosm something that is is important to the country it's important to our way of life i mean hollywood has always been it's always been the best and the worst of us right it's always been these high-minded artists but they're forced into this system of patronage that's always been true for mm-hmm. artists it's this this group of thespians and artists and craftspeople but it's also the free market mike with all of its majesty and squalor and you get the polls. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, this is, uh, I mean, my first reaction, I'll be honest, was like, Oh, the HFPA is corrupt. Heavens to Betsy. Let me clutch my pearls. <laughs> right. We've had so much fun joking about this and now we have to get serious about it and actually learn about it. Like we're still relatively, uh, novice to, to the industry right. insiderness or the industry coverage and we've we've enjoyed diving into that side of things and we've enjoyed with our business backgrounds we've enjoyed the macroeconomic viewpoint of it and I think we'll continue to do do this kind of research so this is a cursory glance from us it's some raw talk radio kind of reactions to it and I de- you know I definitely want to research it further and I I do think I do think it's important for the honest-to-goodness journalists out there, and we tip our hats to, to, to all of them that, that wrote these articles because it's important to, to hold – somebody's got to hold them accountable. Yeah, this just gives you another reason to watch Sunday, if nothing else. It's going to be interesting to see if the HFPA has anything to say about it. It's going to be interesting to see if NBC has anything to say about all of this. Well, that's uh, true, too, something. because we love covering this award show. We love covering this business. We had fun with our preview show, and since the beginning, Mike, I think our instincts have been – you know, to pat us on the back a little bit here, our instincts have been right in the sense that we have always blessed and cursed the business of Hollywood. We have it, you know, yes. Well, we and can... every step along the way, yeah. I mean, what, you know, good job getting here. Why did it take you so long to get here? Something we say exactly all the time, whether with regards to uh, racial equality or whether it regards to gender equality, you know, oppressed groups, etc. So, yeah, I mean, I'd like to think that we're not blind to this and we are trying to... to be as 
uh, objective as possible on such things. And there is one of our, objectivity to strive for. One of our first episodes, we said there's going to be the Radio Raheem hands. There's going to mm-hmm. be, you know, love and hate. And, and I, I, I definitely think, you know, even though we, we love to love movies and we love to love this industry and we love to love this award season, it is important to, to look at the underbelly and, and figure it out and understand what's on the up and up and what is actually kind of messed up and needs needs reform needs change and and i'm again i'm glad you know tip of the cap to the journalists doing the real work out there all right mike production design you ready for a production design (laughs) overview folks we could end this end this episode today talking about the production design the art directors guild nominations are out michael yes so i genuinely enjoy the animated section i just wanted to talk about that quick because Mm -hmm. i genuinely believe that animated set design is set design and some of the absolutely most creative set design we get in any and every year, Mike. So this year, props to Shaun of the Sheep, Farmageddon. Gosh darn it. I can't believe I'm saying that. (laughs) The movie was ridiculous. I hope your kids like it. I didn't like it, but whatever. It's on Netflix. Great production design. That farm was cool as hell. Mike, Soul, the production design on Soul was just majestic. I've never Mm -hmm. seen heaven, but I feel I would. that's a believable heaven. And it looked exactly like New York City as Thank well. You. Yes, <laughs> Onward, Fantasy Landscape. My goodness, great production design. Uh, the Croods 2 is one of the few things I haven't watched yet. Croods, a new age. I'm going to watch it very soon. Wolf Walkers, obviously. Every frame of film is uh, should be up in a museum on Wolf Walkers. Some of the most gorgeous animation ever, and obviously the world building of that is just incredible. So tip of the cap to the animation set design category. Uh, something we've talked about at length in, in prior uh, years too, covering this, the ADGs, especially in the production design and why isn't animated included, but all right. So otherwise we're focused on three categories at the ADG awards, period fantasy and contemporary. The first of which period feature film had four Oscars cross over the past decade, including last year's production design winner. Once upon a time in Hollywood. And you got to go back to 2012, Mike, when Lincoln won the Oscar and lost. I would say it's it, it was close, but it might might be a proper loss to Anna Karenina, which I just watched this past year. Gorgeous production design, in 1920s Russia brought to life, in my opinion. There, my, <laughs> I don't even know if the 1920s, but the ADGs have crossed over every single year except for 2012 in this decade. So what, what do we have in terms of this year's nominations? All right. Mank is here. Uh, no surprise, obviously. Mm-hmm. Mank leads the Critics Awards scoreboard in this category and has top most pundit predictions as well. Makes a lot of sense. Otherwise, we have Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, which is something uh, we honed in on in that review about yes. how great the production design of that was. Uh, Mulan, News of the World, and The Trial of the Chicago 7 are the other nominations here. I mean, because they got the look of a courtroom, right, I guess? <laughs> Trial of the Chicago 7 is going to be a noms monster, and we're going to have to deal with that reckoning. It, uh, it it's cool to see all the Netflix love here because Netflix put big money in. I mean, I know Paramount that sold that to Trial of Chicago Seven, but yeah, Netflix put big money behind all of its its slate this year and some great set building by well, Netflix. I'll be honest, that's the only one of these noms that I kind of scratch my head about, other than the fact that I do think it's going to be an Oscars nomination machine but uh, there are some snubs that i think would have made more sense over chicago seven well one night in miami is on a lot of pundit lists the the only problem with one night in miami it's like the first 10 minutes and the last 10 minutes is what you're kind of awarding it and the middle is just like this dank hotel room right 
I mean, that's uh, most of the middle. Is, yeah, is I, I, I don't think I, I'm not shocked to see that one overlooked as much as maybe some other ones. But we we have spectacles, for, you know, with the fight with the hot, other hotel, etc. Uh, in the prologue and epilogue. Anyway, the uh, Critics' Choice nominations for Emma and the Personal History of David Copperfield. It's surprising not to see them here. I read a lot of articles about the ADG Awards today, and nobody seemed to really know if these British productions were ineligible at this award show of this guild. I don't necessarily know what eligibility they had. I mean, the favorite was here a few years ago. I think it won ADG Awards, so I don't necessarily know if British productions are not here at all. Uh, based on that small fact that I cursed, that I found out just by clicking <laughs> Wikipedia, but I nobody seemed to know about eligibility or ineligibility. That seems to be a running theme for all the other award shows. It's like, why isn't this here? I don't know. <laughs> they just didn't feel like it this year, I guess. Well, the the, the the Writers Guild, everybody knew immediately. They knew going in, coming out. All the pundits were all over the Writers Guild awards. But right. yeah, I mean, production design. We're not there yet. I thought we would be bored and spread out this year. We just have all the things done for us, all the homework done. Now we got to do some digging. All right. The fantasy feature film category. We got 2018 winner Black Panther and our 2015 winner Mad Max Fury Road. The nominations are Birds of Prey, Pinocchio, Critics' Choice nominee Tenet, The Midnight Sky, and Wonder Woman 1984. Interesting to see Wonder Woman here and not in the uh, VFX shortlist like we talked about. Right. I I do enjoy this category every year. I think these fantasy sets should get more credit every year. And we've seen some winners like you just referenced. Uh, Mm -hmm. Birds of Prey set was awesome. The Pinocchio trailer, it's another movie I got to watch very soon. But the big takeaway here is that Tenet, it's in a lot of people's fives for for production design. Pundits are all over Tenet. And uh, that seems to be you know, getting the nod of approval here. Midnight Sky also had tremendous production design too, but a lot of that is VFX also. So again, you know, are we awarding Mank for VFX? Well, that's the, that's the other part of this is I truly and genuinely wonder how many people in these guilds are aware (laughs) what's production design and what's VFX in. Cause I swear to God, you can't tell Mank is VFX as much as it is. I wish I had the eye to be able to tell, but when you said Mank was winning VFX or uh, top the VFX a couple weeks ago, I was flabbergasted. <laughs> I was believe. too until I saw the video. I, I'm like, you can, you genuinely cannot. Uh, production design, cinematography, and VFX, I, they are so, I don't understand how these guilds are able to parse through what gets credit for what. Well, anyway, movie magic, and, you know, you tip your hat to them. Uh, Anyway, to finish it out, we have the contemporary feature film category where we got 2016's Oscar winner La La Land coming out of. This year, we have nominations for The Five Bloods. I'm thinking of ending things in that that room at the parents' house, right? We were talking about production design That's worthy. That's absolutely worthy, yeah. Palm Springs had some fun production design. I've seen Promising Woman in a lot of tens. I've seen it in some fives. So that that's an interesting pick. And I would say, I, I really think the Prom's production design is excellent. Ryan Murphy is going to be the beneficiary of the Cinematic Imagery Award, the tribute on the night at the ADG Awards. So that might be a tell to, to the Prom getting some legs going forward as well. What makes the Trial of the Chicago 7 a period piece versus 
Yeah, what's the cutoff? You right. Know, 1960. <laughs> and La La Land is contemporary? Okay. I, I, well, I it's the 2010s. I mean, that was supposed to be present Save jazz. That was clearly in the 90s. Jazz needed saving most in the 90s. <laughs> what the hell did we watch with La La Land? Did they have cell phones in La La Land? Do you remember? I do not remember. That'd be a good call. Because he was, yeah, no, he was a man lost in time like you. Like, he was playing the Correct. tape decks. Yeah, I have no idea. Overall, though, 17 of the last 24 Oscar winners have first won one of the ADG awards here. So this is, uh, like Mike said at the top of this section, something that we're going to have to keep an eye on. There is a serious crossover for this category. Michael, amazingly, uh, we're inside of an hour here. We're inside of an hour, but we didn't (laughs) think we'd go this long. But I guess uh, we still go long no matter what. But yeah, let's let's do the outro. Guys, as always, we want to hear from you. What are your thoughts about the ATG nouns? What are your thoughts about uh, any kind of betting odds or updated odds for the Golden Globes? And maybe most of all, uh, what are your takes here on the HFPA and what they stand accused of and what this uh, kind of bombshell reporting has revealed? You can leave us all of those, as well as any other comments, questions, or concerns about anything else we do here in the MMO Empire. Leave us those on our social medias. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook and Instagram at MM and Oscar on Twitter, Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com.com and on Reddit. Wherever you hear, podcast is where we are and if you're listening to us on the apple podcast app if you would tap on our cartoon faces and leave us a five-star review that would be awfully cool of you and make our entire day michael uh what is coming next and what are some words of wisdom to end on well i'm gonna get a van i'm gonna travel the country <laughs> and i'm gonna go meet a lot of cool people no I, a good long cry before sunday night and just get it all out and just like, just get, like I'm game shake, for both of those. Shake my shoulders out. A lot of arm circles. I look. I think. Uh, I think I'm going to miss you this year. This is the first of four I years know. where know. we cannot record our Golden Globes reaction show the night of together after watching the whole show together, and that's going to be strange. We're going to be going to feel wrong. We're going to be under the same moon, but it's no, it's not going to be the same thing. We'll be live tweeting the show, maybe both tweeting over each other because we won't be like talking. Yeah. Oh, God, there's a lot of a lot of kinks we got to work out. A lot of kinks to the whole MMO apparatus. And I guess it's just two of us and a trophy to work it out. Maybe I'll just mock record my own episode just so I don't get rusty. You could do that. You could not hit record and just, or you can actually record just it. Speak into a dead microphone. And if I suck, uh, you just publish that one. Uh, but look, I mean, we got Oscar voting beginning next week. We got the, the rest of these crafts guilds. Many of them are coming out with their award nominations next week. So there will be another Oscar race checkpoint probably at the end of next week. And of course, we still will be recording a big Golden Globes reaction show Uh, early for you guys, Monday, Tuesday, something like that. Yes, sir. That is all on the horizon from MMO. Uh, Do tweet with us throughout the award show throughout this Sunday. Uh, Let us know your thoughts about what's going on, guys. When reality sucks, you can come watch these award shows with us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make award season year-round without the stuffiness. We will see you very soon. See you.